Welcome to Abstract Audio, the podcast presenting life as an abstract art form. The show that encourages you to perceive beyond the tangible, to extract the infinite from the finite, to see with the mind what you cannot physically see with the eyes. Oh, this? It's an emancipation. It's an exploration into areas usually overlooked. Explore with me on today's episode. That's the word, guys and gals. Welcome back to the show. You know what it is. This is Abstract Audio. You've got Amber Janae here. And I hope you're ready to dive into some straight-up auditory awesomeness. If you're not ready, get ready. Because last episode got really real. We touched on a lot of sore spots, a lot of trauma, a lot of emotional triggers. But we lived to pot another day, y'all. And now I'm usually not one to stay focused on life's heavier shit. You know, I actually like to laugh shit off a lot. It's actually one of my favorite coping mechanisms, so we're going to have a little fun this episode. After all, it is the last one of the season. Oh, I know, I know. That's right. Yeah, 20 episodes just flew by. It's a shame, isn't it? Speaking of, you guessed it. Shame is today's topic. Yep, we're going to go out on a high note. And to help end it off, we have a guest here sitting in with us. He's a talented model, tattoo artist, fashion designer, and photographer. Welcome to the show, Scott Irvin. Hey. <laughs> Good to be here, man. Thanks. Hey, Scott. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you feeling today? Good. Well rested, man. I feel great. Awesome. I'm glad to hear it. I hope we can keep that positive energy up, keep you in good spirits. Okay. Especially because at last episode... It got kind of heavy as we spoke about healing, and more specifically, how creativity and healing kind of coincide. And you being that creative force you are, I thought you might be able to lend an interesting perspective on what comes next. Oh, okay. Yeah, what comes next? <laughs> so this week's topic is shame. Uh, <laughs> what comes next? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm so glad we're taking the time to speak on it. It's just because, you know, people are always either talking about it as this unspoken standard of decency or about how difficult it is to deal with along the healing journey. But no one really breaks it down to what it actually entails. You know, it's kind of taboo almost, right? Shame. Yeah, I can see that. A hundred percent. Definitely. I mean, it's understandable, you know, considering how personal it is. I mean, it is part of a very personal journey. People don't like open up about their shame, most kids. People hide their shame. You're right. Uh, but when it comes to feelings of shame, and you know, this goes for mental health in general, I feel if more people were open to discussing it, you know, certain stigma behind it would be eliminated or at least lessened. Yeah, that's that's actually a dope way of putting that, man. Yeah, I feel like if people would open up more about their shame, things like that, like literally, like if you, you know what I'm saying, if you heard something that you felt and never spoke on for that long and you finally hear somebody talk about it, you're going to lose your shit. You'd be like, oh my God, this person is speaking what I've been thinking right. for so long. I didn't bonus to anybody who can talk about it. I feel like that's a Exactly. There's a huge bonus in it. So before we really dive in here, I got to ask, like, how comfortable would you say you are 
discussing moments of vulnerability or shame with others? Like, how do you release? Who do you open up to? Or do you do what so many of us do nowadays and keep it all inside? So I feel like it depends on who I'm around. It's changed over time. I feel like I've always been a fit. I usually was reserved. Mm-hmm. And then over time, as I became more confident and not, not like just not giving a fuck mm-hmm. in general, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I can speak about things that I'm mm-hmm. ashamed of and things like that because I feel like, hey, man, I've met a lot of shameful motherfuckers by now. Mm-hmm. I'm not that different from all of y'all. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's what it comes from meeting enough people and having them open up around that subject enough to where it's like, okay, this isn't that big of a deal. I can talk about this. Absolutely. Well, I don't care. I'm, I'm totally open with it. And I love that, you know, especially in your case, you know, as an artist, you need to really be vulnerable even more so, so people can really and truly connect with what you create. I feel that. Mm. I think, man, if, uh, it's, if you can't open up as an artist, mm. you're going to be real, you're going to have a real small niche to work right. with. You can't just be one tone or just have one. I mean, that's the one else is interesting about that is like social media now, because I understand exactly what a lot of people are, are able to do with social media in this way to connect so many people. Mm. For me, that's hard. For me, that's hard to open up on social media about it. Mm. And it's not because of the fact of how it's going to reach people. It's the fact that it's permanent. Mm. So it's like, I don't want y'all to see my shame three years from now. Right. Nah, nah. I may, you know, three years from now, maybe like, man, I should have held that back, you know? And so, you know, so I feel like being vulnerable in social media is even more, is even a higher grade to it because, you know, it's going to stick around in the stand for everyone to see forever. So right. you got to really, really be okay with that nowadays i feel like it's different back when you just had like a painting or a poster and then the only people who bought it and the people who sold it know really about the damn painting but if your painting's on the internet and it's you speaking on some shameful (laughs) for the rest of your life it'll be on the internet that's you gotta be you gotta be bold you know what i'm saying you gotta really be bold to do that and i feel like i'm not at that exact level yet i can talk about it i don't know if i can post about it you're right it is literally forever And shame just has a way of kind of like lingering and, you know, not to get all in your business here. And I mean, you don't strike me as the type to hold anything back. I just had to ask because men in particular are typically like so afraid of vulnerability and everything that comes with it. As they should be, though. Exactly. It's that right there. Y'all avoid it like the plague or something. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but to y'all, it equates to like weakness, right? Well, in ways it so i feel like it's a very difficult complex thing but it's like to have the vulnerability is human you know what i'm saying it doesn't make you like everybody has vulnerable moments vulnerable spots is whether you you know can put a light on them or not mm-hmm. and then putting a light on it allowing someone to put a light on it does take a respectable level of confidence in yourself to feel like you can walk away from that still unscathed mm-hmm. that's why i love kanye so much Anybody who's going to rip out their whole heart in front of you and say, fuck you at the end if you have anything to say about it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's like you standing on what you standing on a thousand percent. That's I respect it. It's true. How, it's true. How, however, that can cost you nine billion dollars. <laughs> oh, it can definitely cost you. All right. And then on top of that, there's that aspect of embarrassment that comes along with shame. And then people can use it against you exactly. and use it as a weapon against you. Exactly. And personally, I don't really get embarrassed as much anymore. And I think that just kind of comes with age, but it's really so much that comes with it, you know? So I can understand that it takes a lot to be open and vulnerable, comfortably anyway. You're just saying that you don't give a fuck about being embarrassed. That's, damn. I cannot, that is one of my biggest 
things I hate the most. That's why this is a good, <laughs> I don't know if this is a good subject for me or not. It's just like, bro, I hate being embarrassed. Really? I would have never guessed that. I, I Yeah, exactly. I'm super open, but it's hard to really embarrass me, I feel like, because I don't do too much embarrassing shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the things that I have done that are shameful embarrassing, if you know about them and you bring that shit up in public, boy, I will want to immediately crush you in the pavement. <laughs> I won't even know. I won't even know what to feel because I'll feel like you just like I feel like that's the thing. If you feel like you really care about your reputation mm. and someone tries to tarnish your reputation, bro, that is painful. Absolutely. That would that would that that would really hit me. I would not like that. <laughs> I would be very I agree. I think no one likes that feeling. Nobody likes being uncomfortable. But life is uncomfortable sometimes. Shit, it's actually uncomfortable most times, especially when you're going through something. You know, a lot of times it's just more comfortable to stay to ourselves. Keep it all hidden, separate or isolate until we figure it out. Like, until we get to the end of it. exactly but at the same time you know you can't shy away from uncomfortable situations or dark thoughts or difficult shit like i know like carl jung once said how can i be substantial if i don't cast a shadow how can we you know expect to be big dream big live big without acknowledging the darker parts of ourselves you're like, you can't, you can't. Exactly. <laughs> and I just really like the idea of people confronting the parts of themselves that they may have previously pushed into the shadows, you know, the aspects that might be uncomfortable or shameful or embarrassing or go against societal norms. And I'm not saying like to be real, you know, or important or worthy that everyone needs to know your deepest, darkest secrets and you need to be an open book. Some things we keep hidden for a reason. But I do feel to an extent that unwillingness to be open with it is more of a pride thing for men and a lot of other people, too. Would you agree? I could feel that. I feel like definitely no matter what is definitely the human ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this version of you that you know of and the version that you know they know of. And these two different characters may have a conflict. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? May have a conflict. So if I'm at work and I'm you know perceived there with high regard, I'm the managers that know that. And then someone leaks a video of, of me doing some ridiculous <laughs> shit. And said, it's like, oh, bro, is this your boy on the, on your, on the table at Louis with a shirt on? You know, you're like, damn, that's Scott. So like that is that. I feel like I don't want anyone to see me in that light here. Mm-hmm. But, as, if, but if you're with your wife, you know what I'm saying? You're laying down with your wife in bed. You should be able to be comfortable with like, yeah, this happened to me, blah, blah, blah. And I did this. It was a stupid mistake or whatever. The hell. Then that's different because you're supposed to have that level of trust. But that is the level of trust you have to have to feel comfortable with that in most cases. <laughs> I, I, I guess you could say it's pride, but it's also like this. The sense of familiarity, right? Like, and mutual respect. Yeah, the sense of respect mm-hmm. and, and esteem you have amongst peers. Mm-hmm. That's what we're all societal creatures, you know what I'm saying? We're, we're big on, you know, communication, society, hierarchies everywhere. And we don't know that they're, they're on top of other hierarchies, on top of other hierarchies. If you're the dude who's constantly getting exposed or <laughs> you're the dude who has, you know what I'm saying, no shame, nigga, that's who you are now. We know you as the nigga with no shame. Exactly. Like, you know, that's bro. That's bro. That's fuck anybody. You know what I'm saying, bro? As he, he does anything. Exactly. That's exactly. The nigga just does anything. Different respect. You will have as a human being for that person with a good reputation and looks perfect or whatever the hell. As much as they may be a lie, you can't help but respect what you know. Yeah. But then again, I feel like You can't put too much weight on what other people think or their level of respect for you. Like, 
And that's where pride gets you again, because there's a thin line between wanting people to respect you and wanting people to admire you. So you hide away the less appealing parts of yourself in an attempt to garner that admiration. I don't think that's healthy, of course. Mm -hmm, It's not. And similar to shame, you know, you always hear pride more so spoken of in this negative sense. But I don't want to make it look like it's the only culprit here because, as you mentioned, they both really are so complex, Uh, mainly because how we navigate those feelings can really, as you said as well, impact the entire outcome of our lives, how people perceive us, how we show up in the world. You know, but to me, it's almost like a catch-22, like a feedback loop. Yes, because whether things are going well or poorly in your life, think about it. You have to deal with both pride and shame regardless. Like when we're doing okay, right? Not bad, not good, just okay. So many of us are conditioned to feel like we're not doing enough. I despise the idea that this country tries to push that productivity equals fulfillment, by the way. It doesn't. Uh, But you feel ashamed and your pride convinces you you're too good for those baby steps, you know? And if you do gain success, it leads to more pride and you shame others who don't got it like you got it now. Then, you know what they say, pride come before the fall. And those failures, if not managed well, can spiral you right back into shame. And then you're too prideful to ask for help or even talk about it and you're stuck. stuck. You know, you're stuck. stuck in this miserable loop, just running in place because it affects our future and simultaneously deals with the past. So seeing how impactful shame and feelings like it can be, can you think of a moment in your life when you overcame that shame and were able to feel a sense of pride or growth? Yeah, man, I have a good one. I feel like, um, so when I was working at a dispensary uh, a couple of years ago, like I was like, like like five years ago now. But so I was the first dispensary in Chicago got opened up. I got the chance to work there as a bartender there. Nine. I was started off as a security guard, learned my shit, talked to the dudes, you know what I'm saying, got in cool with everybody because they were cool people, whatever. And they were like, oh no, this is this is my tribe. Bro is actually a, a stoner. Like we can actually put him on as a bartender. And I was a drug dealer for many years in my life. So it all worked out. So after that, they're like, okay, cool. You know what I'm saying? Come over here. Let's do the bartender thing. Dream job to me. You know what I'm saying? So my grandmother died of cancer. So I remember learning about how we needed would help with all these things with different cancers and shit like this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, this is the future, whatever. So my heart was set on it. Mm-hmm. Same time, I am also what, a 24, 25 year old wild little motherfucker. And I was still working at the signature at the same time. Mm-hmm. I was working in the signature room. I'm partying. Then I left signature room, went to work at London House. That's a hotel attached to a, you know, a night spot. Oh, so I'm wild. partying all right. the time. Showing up late every day. And they're like, bro, we just hire you for this old job and you can't, you know what I'm saying? My, the GM at the company is like, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Like as a, like a dad figure, like a father figure was like, what's going on, man? Like, I thought this was your dream. You know what I'm saying? And you're treating it like this. Mm. It, the way that hit me was boom to the chest. Like, damn, he's right. Like, you're right. Then I had to look in my life and I was going through a lot of dumbass shit and I was dealing with it in a dumbass way. It was getting high and fucking around. Mm. And so... I was like, man, I just got to tell you, like, this happened, this happened, and I've been doing this and this, and it was super vulnerable moment. Mm-hmm. Now that could have, it, it went in two different ways. It had the trickle effects down that I, I want to explain because it matters, right? Like from that point, he knew, okay, Scott is a genuine human being with deep emotional situations and actual legitimate issues going on in his life, mm-hmm. and he's handling it actually very well. However, it is unhealthy. 
And so, well, like, you know, he, he gave me a little extra pep talk, whatever. And I needed to get that out. Mm-hmm. Like, I had no one I talked to about that, especially not another dude right. or a figure in that way. So I got to uh, talk to him about it. That that little shameful moment that I had, that that thing that I was holding in because of my pride, I wanted to be perfect, whatever, else, finally spilled that out. I became an imperfect person. Right. However, at that point, also, I became more human, Everything. became closer with the GM. We became really cool, like a decent relationship. And after that, I wanted to improve because now I've already laid out my cards on the table. Like, I, I need to improve what this is. There is no excuse to keep doing the shit now. Once I've said it, it's out. I got to do better now. So then I got better and I moved up and did whatever. But it was still also because of that that moment, like, I was looked at as like a slightly, you know, saying neurotic individual mm. from that point. Like, you know, Boston was like, all right, Scott's a little, you know, he, he's a little different. Mm. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we can let him, you know, do his thing for a while, but also, you know what I'm saying? You, you <laughs> watch out. He may have this, that, and the other issue pop up every now and then. So that, mm. that follows him. So that sucked, but I felt like the end result was healthier. Yeah, but that's also the same thing, though. If he was an asshole, who would have been like, bro, what the fuck are you talking about? Get the fuck out of here. He could have said that too. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But he was actually just one of those dudes I felt comfortable enough to do that around. And it worked out in the end because now we still have a good relationship. I haven't talked to him much. Probably like, I seen him like probably a year ago or two at like one of my jobs I was working at. He was there with his family. And it's all love. So it's cool to have that because you know, like I genuinely like this person as a person. You feel closer to him as a person. So there's that bond there that works. However, they also know your shit. So you can't, can't. continue to do what you used to do anymore. It's accountability. You know, it's accountability. But you're right. He could have reacted a completely different way. Like you said earlier, he could have used that against you or fired you or shamed you. But opening up in that way actually had the opposite effect. It brought you guys closer together and you gained more respect for just being vulnerable and open and transparent. And that's so interesting. And that's so powerful. But I'll tell you what, since you told me a story, I'll tell you one. I see your trauma and I raise you another. I know, I know for me growing up, I would always feel really ashamed or like embarrassed about my voice. Mother Ford. Yes. Like people would always say, oh, you talk so white. You sound like a white girl. Uh, oh, I had that thing. Like, oh, OK. I didn't know sounding educated was a crime. Right. I'm just me. You know, I've always just been me. And of course, as I got older, I was able to get past that and be proud of it and eventually use it to my benefit because we're here. But initially, that shit was hard, man, like you said. Uh, But these experiences, you know, they get you thinking, is shame truly like an independent, standalone emotion? Or is it more of a social construct? Because think about it. Would shame even exist if there weren't outside forces influencing us saying, hey, this is right. Hey, this is normal. And that isn't. Yeah, I feel like shame would be different in everywhere you go in any culture. Yeah. Like, like what you should be shameful of is different. So, like, the one thing I love about here is, like, imagine you're eating somewhere and the dude's, like, slurping the fuck out of some some pasta next to you. And it's, like, it's like your boyfriend. You're trying to show it to your family and shit, right? And they're, they're like, this nigga rude. This nigga, ugh. So like, what's wrong with him? He hasn't eaten before? The fuck? You starved on the phone here? You can't. Like, so, but in Japan, if you were to take him somewhere and have him eat some noodles and he was slipping that shit hell loud and I said, you know what they would say? They would probably be like, oh, this dude, that that's like much more respectful. Mm. There's no shame in that. In that culture, it's different. So it is, it is, it is an emotion that's based around a social construction. Like, mm. so if you have in your culture, this is shameful. Mm-hmm. This is something to be ashamed of. 
that's the that's the ruling factor is your culture. Because mm-hmm. if you do some, if you twerk on a car as a white girl from a penthouse in, in L.A., you know what I'm saying? Like, like it depends whose penthouse is it? What age are you? All these different things matter. If you're a 13 year old girl living in your dad's penthouse, it, that's shame on your family. <laughs> right? You know that. If you're a 22-year-old girl and it's your penthouse, mm-hmm. do what you want. That's respect because now you're art. You see what I'm saying? Like, Interesting. That, that's a whole different situation. It all depends on all that. So it, it is individual in, in that way based on the culture. You're right. You know, you're completely right. Like you said, knowing the context is important. Knowing the surroundings, you know, the circumstances. And then knowing your own boundaries and your own moral code even can make it much more personalized, yeah. right? Yeah. And and I talk about this uh, a bit in one of the earlier episodes. But when it comes down to that, who's to say what's right and what's wrong? And who's to say your moral code is even really your own? That's the thing. Everyone and no one. That's the whole fun thing. Everybody's got a philosophy. It's really just a mixture of your upbringing, you know, what you're exposed to, things like that. And that varies from person to person and situation to situation. Like to me, sadness, for example, is like a true standalone emotion, right? You would still be able to experience sadness if there were no one around, if no one were watching. It's very individual, right? But shame is so interesting because it almost seems if we didn't have someone watching, it would just kind of fall apart. And that kind of reminded me of how people lean on God. It reminds me of our individual relationships with a higher power. When there's no one around, many people feel that that's still here, that this ethereal entity sees and knows all and is always watching. So is there a bigger aspect of shame that's more so spiritual, you think? I don't know. I I don't know that answer. I feel like it could be tied into something with, so it could be tied into things that you turn into spiritual situations. So like, if you were to feel like you're saying shame in a situation where you're alone, mm. I feel like that's a good guiding of moral compass. Say you were, uh, you know what I'm saying, a, a changed Christian or something. You grew up and you were like a total asshole. This nigga murdered three people back in the day woo, and, and ate them or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're some evil piece of shit, right? And you get out of your born-again Christian now. And this is the difference. So if you're a born-again Christian in order to get out of jail, get out of doing more jail time or something like that, like, okay, this dude changed his ways. Let's give him a pardon on this, that, and third. Then maybe you don't have any shame in it for real because you're doing it for this reason or whatever the fuck and it benefits you. But when you're by yourself and then you feel that shame, I feel like that's speaking you to you. And if you were by yourself, you know what I'm saying? You have, you've had moments where you're like in the shower or something, you think like, damn, I shouldn't have said that. Mm. Yes, that was stupid shit to say. I should have said this. Exactly. And you feel that hot blast of, of embarrassment. Mm. You just, you know what I'm saying? Like, man, I was dumb as hell. Why did I say it? I was, I sounded like a lame. You're right. You feel it on every level, including spiritually. You feel it through your core, through your chakras. Your aura radiates it. Because even when you are alone, you know, just you talking to you, Huge supporter of people talking to themselves, by the way. Not as big on cannibalism. (laughs) But point is, I believe we are all of God. That godly energy is within each of us, making us all gods, having an individual human experience. That could guide your spiritual consciousness. Exactly. And it's so crazy you mentioned Christianity, because I know for so many people, the earliest record of shame or embarrassment 
even if you don't personally subscribe to a particular religion, you know, I don't. But it was the Bible, right? You know, Adam and Eve, they ate of the tree of knowledge and they were ashamed because they suddenly realized they were naked. So where did that shame truly originate from? Our so-called deep-seated moral and spiritual convictions? Or did it first have to exist in their mind? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? From strange civility. I, I feel like it was like some coming to consciousness mm-hmm. of, of shame mm-hmm. of what that even would feel like. It's like, you're naked. Like, why would you think that you're naked at all unless you were conscious of what that was? Right. You know, the Bible is really just a metaphor anyways. But it absolutely reinforces the idea that ignorance is bliss. That's a fact. You know, I read somewhere that lower vibrational feelings and thoughts and frequencies, you know, like guilt and fear and shame really only originate from your egoic mind uh, that you were mentioning the ego earlier. And, you know, the ego only exists within the mind. And I'll put it all out there for you guys, you know, since we're on the topic. But I'm clinically bipolar. I'm anxious and overthinker. So I'm certainly no expert here. But I guess that's why they say, you know, to truly free yourself from the prison of the mind, you have to experience that ego death, a meaning you can no longer identify with the version of you that your mind has previously created. But that's so much easier said than done, right? I think it's like physically impossible without drugs. You really think so? What's been your experience? Yeah, people, people say they have to meditation, things like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, I believe you. I believe you did something really, really close to what I'm speaking of. Mm-hmm. But when I speak on mushrooms or LSD, ayahuasca, anything like that, bro, I'm sorry. There was a whole, there was no way you reached this. And, and and to reach that, that type of damn near thing, and you're at, you know, Valhalla's gates and shit, oh that doesn't come from a regular brain on regular brain time. Mm-hmm. That comes from a brain on super high charge, a mind bending psilocybin experience. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is what made it for me. I feel like I've always made sense of it. Like, oh, I'm a very rational, conscious person. I've always thought that my whole life. You know what I'm saying? However, the mushroom trip, I, a mushroom trip I took, enhanced that all that idea of that by the ego death I was able to experience. And so, like, when you, ha- that's the thing. If you have to struggle with the thought instead of just having the thought pass you by, yes. like, struggling with the thought of, what if everything you did mattered, didn't matter? What does this matter? What does that matter? Why, 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 why? Who are you? Why are you? Who are you really? This, if you just sit there and struggle with that for like eight, nine hours, you're going to come up with some fucking answers, bro. You're going to come up with some fucking answers. That's the only thing you can do. You can't sit there for eight, nine hours and not come up with an answer. Or two. Mm-hmm. And that is that level of, uh, of, 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 of consciousness mm-hmm. being put in. I feel like that is where you lose the chance of being ignorant anymore. Because now you know. Right. And once you know, you know. Once you know, you know. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Damn, I can't do it. And then you, you know what I'm saying? Like, cocaine is bad for you. You just got out of rehab. You know that now. Mm -hmm. So if you do it again, (laughs) you know damn well you did that to yourself and you should feel ashamed. Exactly. And you will feel a slight bit of shame no matter what you do. You know you shouldn't be fucking with that girl. Why are you still fucking with that girl knowing she did this, that, and the other? Mm -hmm. Oh, well. Go fuck with it again, and she did it again. Right, and you know the definition of insanity. Exactly, and it's a fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Mm-hmm. That that's life. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's part of it. You don't have space for 
ignorance once you know better because you lose that. That's what the opposite of ignorance already. Exactly. Once you know what something it doesn't feel good or you shouldn't do this, or whatever. Or you, even if it doesn't make sense. And if some it's a thought you have where it's like, okay, you know, women should wear hijabs or some shit like this. You know, like you can make anything like that up. And it's like, okay, so now when you're not wearing it or you don't wear it or you see someone not wearing it, you assimilate that with like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no shame in you. Where's your shame? Exactly. You know? I agree. You know, you can't run from that accountability. You just can't. It's too big a part of life. And you can meditate all you want, you know, take all the psychedelics you want. And trust me, I have. But, you know, what happens when you look in the mirror and you just don't like the person looking back at you? When you look in that mirror and see your demons, you know, I know my first couple trips were like that. I felt literally possessed. What happens when that just weighs so heavily on your mind and your spirit? I know in my experience, I got overwhelmed with just so much regret immediately afterwards. You have to feel shame about those. And it just sucks because sometimes those moments in our lives that we regret the most can also feel like the most defining moments sometimes, right? Oh, God. Right? Like, like, oh, my God. Like, sure, we'd rather forget and let it go. But it can really feel like those moments define who you are at your core sometimes. And, you know, typically, I'm not one to believe humans can change all the way to the very core. Like, that may have been a different version of you, but that was you. I believe that, too. Right? I believe everybody has a core human being who they are. I got so crazy. Uh, to piggyback what you're saying, I remember learning this about PTSD. Very interesting. So PTSD, I remember learning this from a lot of soldiers, as well as just through life itself. When you, you know, have conversations. When I was in boot camp, mm-hmm. we'd have conversations, you know what I'm saying, with some of the lieutenants and tell them about our little gang stories and little hood, neighborhood, crazy bullshit stories and people we lost and this, that, and the other. And he would say, like, he's like, that's the thing about PTSD, bro. It's like, it's different. He's like, this is why y'all are not soldiers. It's like, why? He's like, it's like, it's because of this. It's like, PTSD affects you differently based on who's the victim in the story. So it hurts worse when you're the bad guy. When you're the one doing the something that you, you know, say that is way more traumatizing than having someone kill your mom is killing someone else's mom. Wow. Exactly. And so when you think about it like that, it's like, you're goddamn right, because I can still claim the victim in the story. I have no shame in this. This won't look at, I won't have to look in the mirror and say, you did that. You did that for the rest of your life. I have to drown it out with alcohol like a lot of them do. And so, like, that is that is one of the things I feel like the only way, the only way to bounce back from those situations, and that's why I feel like these wide job ass crazy ass motherfuckers, you know what I'm saying? They're, you they do sometimes go to Christ and shit like that. There's stories of these dudes and this chick who did I heard or whatever, killed her husband or something like that and fucked them. Like, killed them and fucked them. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about how she came when this, that, and the other. She wrote down what I documented this shit myself. <laughs> but then she went to Christ and they said, like, there was some crazy thing. And for years, she, everybody in her cell and everybody around her was about to her, like, no, she is not the same person. I refuse to believe that she is a murderer anymore. Hmm. I knew her then. She's a changed woman. And I think they, they had her executed, I believe. She oh. was on death row, I think. Oh, wow. And so, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but that idea of that, I know definitely, can, you know, saying can exist in some mm-hmm. point. I just feel like it may not be like, you may not become a saint angel. You may still end up beating your wife three or four times in the future. Some crazy mm-hmm. ass dude. Who knows? Some other thankful shit. But plenty of people go into 
doing good to wipe, to try to wipe your slate clean is one of the best ways. Just doing righteously and living as righteously as possible is one of the only ways. Your core, like I'm, I have slightly narcissistic ways about myself, I know of, but there's the thing that I know I've seen, like narcissists, there are like clinical narcissists, clinical narcissists, they know they're narcissists, however, they know how they should act in, in a social situation. They, they, they have to learn that. And so that's the thing, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I know I had to learn a little bit of certain things over time, just speaking to so many people over the years. That's how I got really good at talking to people. And then you realize, you, you know what I'm saying? You kind of know what to say to make someone happy with the situation, the social situation you're in. Mm-hmm. You know, you know how to guide a conversation, small talk, long talk, whatever the hell you want to do to make it a, a positive thing, a relationship thing. It will take work and effort, more, maybe more for you because your core of you is still probably kind of an asshole. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, you have to just be conscious of it. You're, but the thing, you don't, you can't afford the ignorance no more. Just like we tied in from earlier. So if you move forward, there's less shame every day. Otherwise, there's more shame every day, collectively building up from you continuing your weight. That's your own personal hell. That's that metaphor you were talking about, heaven and hell. You live righteously. I feel like in this life, you will feel the sun's rays different. The moon will hit different. Water hits different. You know what I'm saying? If you're constantly an asshole, things like the other, all those things will hit different. Interesting. Imagine when you, when, I've, I felt it before, when you feel the sun, you just feel like, you know what I'm saying? Like, fuck, you still feel like shit. You still feel like That's shit, terrible. yes. Like, how, how can you wake up in the morning and look at the sunrise and right. not be happy for it? Right. And then you get to the other side of it when you have less shame. After, in my personal opinion, my personal experience, just living better, healthier, you wake up and you look at the sun and you think, God damn, thank God. It changes everything, literally everything. It changes your entire outlook, man. Like, I think regret and shame are such powerful emotions because of that. They kind of just lurk in the shadows, just quietly corrupting our perceptions of ourself and our reality and others, which is one of the reasons regret is literally my biggest fear. They go hand in hand, you know. But you know what helped me? One of the craziest things I found out a few years back is that we're basically just unconscious creatures. People like to convince themselves, right, that we live life and we make decisions consciously and rationally, that we have at least some semblance of control. But studies have actually shown that people mostly tend to make decisions before they even before they even had conscious awareness that a decision had been made. I don't want to get too into the myth that is free will because that was like episode seven, I think. But still, it's crazy, right? I don't. Yeah, exactly. I don't believe there's only degrees of free will. You don't have complete free will. There is none of that. There's only being conscious of there being no real free will and trying to battle that. Right. But there still leaves you with a degree of free will that you don't know you don't have. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And once I learned that, I just got to a point where I was like, What's to be ashamed of if we're not even fully in control, you know? That's cold. Not to pass the blame off on anyone or anything else, because like we said, you know, accountability is a huge part of things. But once I found out that the ego and the unconscious mind's instinctual purpose is literally just to protect us, it's like my whole reality shifted, man. It just tries to do that by keeping you small and in your little comfort zone 
because it just so happens that that's where all your repressed feelings and your hidden memories, you know, your bad habits, your dark desires are, you know? That's why you have to act on like ideas when you have them because, and I'm sure as an artist, you've experienced this firsthand, but if you don't, the unconscious mind will literally try to kill it. It's because those memories and emotions that you have that are too painful or embarrassing or shameful to consciously face are stored in the unconscious mind. So it can be just really dangerous and counterproductive to operate from that space. That's interesting. I feel like that makes so much sense. That just makes so much sense. So imagine like think of the thinker, right? Mm -hmm. You ever seen that there's there's this image of the thinker? Yes. And he's sitting on a black still, right? With the light on him. And then there's the doer and he's gone. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't no doer there. The statue ain't there. He's out there doing some shit. (laughs) That's completely on point though. That's how you got to move out here. You got to do it. Because if our issues lie in operating from our unconscious mind, Like you said, it would only make sense that consciousness is the answer. You know, you were mentioning presentness, awareness of self and surroundings, interconnectedness, you know, all things that come along with ego death. But, you know, even though we use the term ego death in connection with those things, really the ego is just a part of us. So it can never fully die or just disappear. It it just really has like this bad reputation because it causes so many problems, but it's really part of our makeup as human beings. And really, like you said, all you can do is manage it. So in a similar sense, you can never fully rid yourself of shame entirely. But, you know, the way people be carrying on nowadays, you certainly can't tell. Right. You can't. You can't. You you lose it in that moment. Right. But you come back. In the moment. Everybody can fully change you forever that way. It's- but that's also what happens. Sometimes I feel like people hold on to that. Mm-hmm. And they hold on to that and identify with that shit so much. Mm-hmm. That's why I feel like there's a lot of situations with that. Like, uh. So I've had a couple of friends, you know what I'm saying, that were really big, you know, you know, psychonauts really big into that. And so what happened was when they tripped to a certain degree or whatever the hell, like it happened to me, you get like, this is, this is everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know everything now, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, this, I, I have all these answers now mm-hmm. to all these things with myself and then people, all this shit. What's called? So they identify themselves with that experience, mm-hmm. with those experiences so much. Mm-hmm. That they don't realize that they're just they're just kind of becoming drug addicts. Mm. You know that <laughs> they're just looking a little more like society just says, like drug addicts, mm. and they have all these great thoughts and things like that that they have when they're in these states. But once they're back to normal, if you continue to associate with that, you're lost in the wind, bro. Interesting. If you live consistently that way every day, saying that I am anything and I am water, like if you have no solidness of who you are. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And what you are and based in actual reality, physical reality of this, whatever this universe that we're in is, bro, you're lost in the wind. Hmm, You're lost in the wind. You'll do anything and you'll be open to experiencing anything. And I feel like that makes so much room for traumatic experiences to happen. Boundaries to be crossed, all types of things that even though you experimented with it, you think is okay and fun in certain ways, you don't know you've opened up darker paths darker portals to yourself mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and you can continue down this unless you find that sometimes there is too much experience too early mm-hmm. now i'm fully for life being lived to the fullest you know don't get me wrong but you're right there needs to be boundaries and that's what the ego is kind of here for at the same time right like okay your friends they may be stone cold drug addicts at this point but to me they're not shameless necessarily 
they're more so like truth seekers. I mean, I can't speak on them personally, obviously. Uh, but to me, it's like a shameless person doesn't care if others judge them. Or at least they never agree with that judgment. Either other people are wrong or other people aren't allowed to judge them to begin with. They have no shame, to me, simply means they don't respond to societal pressures, at least outwardly. That makes sense. And what do they say? The path to hell is paved with good intentions or something like that? Yeah, with good intentions. I've myself from saying thinking about things before, just, just, just from thinking like, okay, like, I remember, like, when all this shit was going on with the pandemic and everything, I was so against it, bro. You people have no idea how against that shit I was. Yeah. I remember I had a whole, I'll never forget, it was my Kanye moment. At, at the same dispensary, that was my dream job. That changed my life. I'll never forget it. You know, I'm making 20 some dollars an hour selling weed. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Having the greatest time ever at 24, whatever, folks. Literally had to stand on some shit mm -hmm. because I felt like this it, like this whole COVID shit got y'all losing y'all rabbit ass minds, mm. and if we don't get a grasp on shit, you're gonna you you're y'all are lost in the wind. Mm. Where do y'all stand for humanity, bro? Mm. And that that's how I felt at it. And then guess what? Almost drove myself completely solitary at that point because nobody else is a very small select few people that are gonna be able to open up and talk about it. Right. They felt like fucking prisoners. Like they felt like they were goddamn. The people who were against all the COVID shit, bro, they were like, goddamn, uh, what's the girl who hid in the attic? Oh, oh. God. <laughs> well, bro, Anne Frank. They all felt like Anne Frank. <laughs> and it was so crazy to see, like, that's that's what's going on. And there's people who end up getting into confirmation bias mm -hmm. and spiraling mm -hmm. because they end up in a loop of just going through so much information to where they get some misinformation, information, propaganda, all type of shit like that. And then they're fucked up and paranoid in the head. That's how you have, how you have the Capitol Hill ride mm -hmm. right there. I love that example because you know what? You going against and the few of us that did go against the grain with the COVID situation, you know, because I was in the same boat. But that doesn't make us shameless. You know, you have shame. You stood up. You have principles you're standing on, even though to the masses, you know, outside looking in, you were doing something shameful. And a lot of people were shamed and judged and subsequently unemployed for it. And on what your social culture was, if you were more of the liberal arts world, like that was really hard for me because I'm I'm an art dude, like to my core. Mm -hmm. However, I'm also like a a a bro and a dude at the same time. Like I'm 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 a nigga, bro. But <laughs> how do I explain it? So it's hard for me to relate to a lot of the higher art world when they come in with these very, very soft, you know what I'm saying, not very hip hop beliefs, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know what I'm saying? The culture is different. And so when, when, when you're in that, it's like, you look like an odd one out. And so you'll feel ashamed of feeling a certain way, you know what I mean? But it's like, no, nah, bro, like that's why you have to stand for something because I'm not going to feel ashamed of myself. Mm -hmm. I will just be different from you, bro. Mm -hmm. My culture is different for me, and I can accept that. And I can still tolerate you and be cool with you. But there are certain people who aren't. Their culture is to not be cool with uh, someone who thinks different mm -hmm. those ways. Mm -hmm. And you can't do anything about that but accept. And that's a tough thing to do. But let me tell you something, because I have to remember to tell myself this all the time. Scott, when you're walking into these rooms, you are not just a nigga. You are not just a man. You are not just an artist. You are a force. You belong wherever God holds space for you. 
and that inclusivity will only get you farther in life. You have a choice to accept that as your reality. You don't necessarily have to be shameless about it, but you got to be bold. There- Shamelessness can work in some degree. Mm-hmm. It can get you respected in certain degrees in certain places. Mm-hmm. So speaking of those places in which it's acceptable, you know, when you see some of these artists of today, you know, these entertainers, uh, let's say for the sake of argument in music, you know, women entertainers out here, they're naked as hell, you know, saying whatever, doing whatever. It's become so accepted. But at the same time, it's so easy to look at them and say, you know, damn, have you no shame? Like, especially in this cancel culture, you know, we're in now. It's like, where do we draw the line? Or is there no line anymore? There's a level of exactly that. Exactly. There is. I mean, I don't think we should stifle anyone's creativity or silence or diminish anyone's art forms. However, people want to express themselves. They shouldn't be shamed for it. But if we don't, as a society, collectively decide on some lines that shouldn't be crossed, like you said about boundaries earlier, everything's just liable to go to shit. I mean, even more so than it already is, of course. So we've been using women for all these examples. So I got to ask. Who do you feel gets shamed in society more, men or women? It's society who gets shamed more between men or women. Mm-hmm. I feel like in reality, it's 50-50. Yeah, but in social media, I believe it gets put out as uh, different in different social media places. So I would feel like on a place that's mostly male-dominated like Twitter is, I feel like it'd be more men that would be shaming women on there. Maybe more of that is larger male dominated. Then we look at Instagram. I feel like that one would have a lot more, what you call it, um, men shaming. I just don't feel like like it would all actually be intentional mm-hmm. men, men shaming in some ways. Mm. I feel like there's there's things that are just culture that are just cultural. Mm. Yeah, that aren't as you know, say they don't look at it as shameful in certain ways. That's- Women get tamed in certain ways nowadays that more and more and more are becoming shameful mm-hmm. in just a cultural way, mm-hmm. depending on if you're more on the modern culture. I don't know, man. I feel like women get judged and shamed more outwardly, like, you know, slut shaming, body shaming, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that's all internal. But I do feel like men shame themselves internally more. Y'all are just so much harder on yourselves, it seems. Or, you know, maybe not because y'all do move more recklessly than us, you know, with very little guilt or remorse, especially when it comes to women sometimes. But, you know, I guess they could go both ways. So I'm not sure. You know what? I understand how this this is this may sound fucked up to say, but it's like, yeah, and they should. I, I feel like internally, um, mm-hmm. men know other men they respect mm-hmm. and they're. So we know what to respect. We li- we live on this respect level. I feel like way way more than than other people than the other gender would because of the fact that we have to. We may have to fight each other to the death. Mm-hmm. You, you know like we may also have to, you know, say make enough money together to get ourselves out of situations. Or I don't expect a beautiful woman who any man with money would ever take care of to have to worry about these things as long as they're beautiful women because they can they they can have these things so easily you know what i'm saying if you're an unattractive woman then i i i pray for you you know what i'm saying then your situation may be shitty but even then there's an unattractive dude who will take care of you mm. like as a dude you will have no one's gonna take care of you dog. Like, so you have to be harder on them that's the reality like you gotta take care of others bro that is what feels that is one of the most 
enjoyable feelings there is to being a man. That is why when you get money, it's like, I got my mom a new house. How does that feel? That is a feeling you cannot describe if you can do some shit like that. Like, oh, I got the new car with a brand new girlfriend, this and the other. That's cool. But what did you actually do? Did you do all that just for you? No, 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 no. You got the car because it would get the badass girl to like being in the car with you. Well, that's interesting. You know, when you frame it like that. Well, I mean, first things first, I want to say, in my opinion, no one should be expected to do anything or be anything, to be honest. If you want it, I mean, for yourself internally and it makes you feel good as a man, I'm all for it. You know, but at some point, is it just a tool for social control and power? Mm. Well, power, I feel like every I feel like everybody should strive to have power. Why? Why? Because you everybody should want power in their situation and, and where they are in the world. Like I wouldn't want to be powerless. Well, you don't want to be powerless, but there's a middle ground. There has to be. Well, that's what I'm saying. Some kind of power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I feel like some people want more. But I feel like you should always strive to have whatever the maximum level of power you want in the world should be. Go for it. Whatever you can handle. Whatever level of power you feel you can handle, you should go for mm-hmm. it. And, and I feel like um, this is the thing. Like The world was led by powerful men. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like so, like, when we look at these things, we look at their stories and their lives and things like this, we respect them. You know what I'm saying? Like, like there's a lot of people out there who have regular lives and done nothing wrong. Mm. Great. You have done nothing wrong and done nothing and died and no one remembers you. Mm. Done. That's your story. And some people are okay with that. Some people are okay living in that middle ground. There's no shame in that. So that's okay for them. Yeah. For me personally, I want my great, 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 great grandson to know that he came from something good and great yeah. because that will shape him to be something good and great. These things are genetic. And I feel like like having that is what is 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 that level of that that male power thing is like it's like that right. we just intrinsically want to have influence over our world and for our people. Exactly. That's the thing. And what goes okay, ties right back wanted to take care of my people. I am Sir blah, 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 the fifth. You're going to take care of me, dog. <laughs> my great, great, great grandfather said this, that, and the other is my shit. Because mm. he worked for this shit, did this shit, enslaved and gave his life for this, for me to have this shit. Mm. You ain't going to take my legacy, dog. Mm. That's that's the Dame Dash. That's the uh, the uh, St. West. That's the fucking Northwest of shit. Mm. That's that. Like, that's what you, that's what, why is the world so obsessed with them? Mm-hmm. It's because it's like, you know what this looks like, what this took. Mm-hmm. These are billionaire babies mm-hmm. with legacies in front of them that are worth schemes worth four billion. Yeezys were once worth a couple billion. Like, bro, yeah, like like that came from a whole bunch of outwardly wild and shameful things. But guess what? They can make sure their kids eat steak and Art lobster set. every day exactly. until they die. That's a great observation. Shame from both parties, really, Kim and Kanye. Thank Plenty you. of shame. Oh yeah, I think power, just like shame, definitely has its place. Because even if we did, or if we could get rid of it entirely, where would that leave us? We'd be more open, sure, you know, maybe happier. We'd probably all revert to some kind of nudist society, which would be pretty interesting. But it would kind of be anarchy. We'd all be in, like, the Commonwealth. That would be until one motherfucker learned some shit and learned how to exploit. And that motherfucker, once they learned how to exploit, prostitution would be it. 
boom, then the world changed. But you know, I think chaos is the natural order of things anyway. <laughs> Let me find out you a fellow anarchist, Scott. I don't know. I'm not an anarchist, though. No, <laughs> no not an anarchist. Just an artist, huh? And that's close enough. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that. But basically, if you were to do some anarchy in art, like one of the greatest things about history is like a lot of it is taught with some form of an art. If you can put anything into an art form of anything, a, a literature, wall drawings, fucking, you know what I'm saying, paintings and, 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 and architecture, these things all lead us and show us things in history. You know what I'm saying? Like that is one of the cool ways you can um, rebel. You know what I'm saying? You can do something to rebel and put your name on some shit. It's true. And to be honest, at the end of the day, it's all so beautifully human. You know, it's a great reminder that we're all still human, no matter what we go through. And as humans, we may not always be able to shame ourselves into change or happiness or growth. But at the very least, I feel like as artists and creatives like you or like us are helping transmute and transform it into something substantial. True. So many artists using their platforms to share their work are also fostering inclusive communities, celebrating diversity and authenticity and just being wild and free and challenging conventional beauty standards, changing the narrative of what's acceptable. And really, I applaud you for that. Uh, yeah, yeah, art is life, bro. Life would be nothing without art. You know, it really is one and the same. And hopefully, creative open forums like this one can be a catalyst for more dialogue, better understanding on taboo topics like these, and a collective change. I think that's a great place to stop, a great note to end it on. As we're wrapping up today's episode, I want to thank you so much, Scott, for sharing your time and valuable insights. This was fire. It'd be a shame to waste this opportunity. So go ahead, tell the listeners where they can find you and how they can support. Oh, damn. Well, I'm a tattoo artist and a photographer. If you ever want work done, you can go to my Instagram at Scott with the tattoos. That's Scott with the tattoos spelled grammatically correct. So W-I-T-H, the tattoos. Go to the line as well, coming hopefully within the next month. So we'll see. All right. You heard the man. Go check him and his workout right now. And if you found today's conversation meaningful or interesting, please share, subscribe, and join us next season on Abstract Audio. We got some big changes coming, but until then, be kind to yourself and others and always appreciate the abstract in your life.